May is Fibromyalgia Awareness Month. It's important to raise awareness about this chronic and often debilitating invisible illness known as fibromyalgia. This month-long campaign is an opportunity to educate people about the symptoms, causes, and treatments of fibromyalgia, as well as to show support for those living with these and other related invisible illnesses. Through increased awareness, we can work towards better understanding and management of fibromyalgia and ultimately improve the quality of life for those who are affected by it. And now on to this week's episode. Last week, we left off with Margaret and her early school struggles. We learned about her father, Eugene, and some of the mixed blessings that he had. He was very creative and intelligent, yet had also symptoms of fibromyalgia. It's one of those things we call twice exceptional. You can be highly creative, yet have a hard time self-organizing and planning. When we look at Margaret Mitchell in school, we learned that she never liked school, but she did like to read, and she fell in love with books like her father. She loved reading stories, but her mother wanted her to read good books, as she liked to call it. Margaret just wanted to read whatever she wanted. She was beaten by her mother for not reading Tolstoy, Thackeray, or Jane Austen. Her mother tried bribing her with money. Fiction played a critical role in her childhood. So when we think about that for people who may have ADHD, they often like to read, but it has to be something that's often very interesting, not necessarily informational And fiction and stories are much easier to digest than trying to maybe read through a science book or try to read through a math word problem that has to be broken down and solved in a complex way. She also wrote hundreds of stories in her childhood. A few of these survive and only four written before age 12 exist. She possessed a powerful and a natural sense of narrative. She was a born storyteller. She dictated stories even before she went to school. And she was a talker and a yarn spinner. She was very imaginative and had a talent for vivid imagery, action, and a gripping narrative. I would bet that she would have just been such an interesting person to go on a long car ride with or go on a walk with. It just, back in the day when there wasn't the other modern technology, she was just being able to have the ability to come up with such entertaining stories. At the age of three, she was riding a horse that went down injuring her leg in an accident. At the age of 12, she revolted against her mother's authority in literature. She gave herself over to the more romances and adventures, dime novels, and cheap thrillers. She had told a Catholic priest later in life that she would have been forbidden to read Gone with the Wind before she was 18 years old. Of course, she wrote Gone with the Wind. For those of you who... 
this is your first episode. I am Dr. Michael Lenz, host of the podcast. I am an internal medicine physician, also a pediatrician, and a lifestyle medicine certified doctor. I've been in practice for now almost 26 years as a medical doctor. I've written the book, Conquering Your Fibromyalgia, Real Answers and Real Solutions for Real Pain. This podcast is meant for you if you have fibromyalgia. It's meant for your loved ones who just want to help learn more about fibromyalgia to help you and for physicians and other medical providers who just haven't had much training and truly want to learn and grow in your understanding of fibromyalgia. Fibromyalgia is actually one of the most rewarding medical problems that I take care of, and it can be for you as well if you're a doctor. Remember that while I am a doctor, I am not your doctor, and all signs and symptoms should be discussed with your medical physician. This should hopefully be a good starting point for education for learning more about this. And now on to more of this week's episode. Academic discipline still came hard for Margaret. She disliked and despaired about calculating assumed almost mythic proportions. They had to dynamite that worthy institution to get me out of geometry, she said. She compared her shortcomings in the subject to her mother's skill. She got low C's in French and barely passed Latin. Although she loved mythology, again, that much more creative storytelling, and she loved the liberty of reading and writing, Again, writing what she wanted, creating a story. For many people who have ADD, they like to write creatively, but not necessarily to have to read a book and then come up with a thesis paper analyzing and organizing to support their argument in regard to that. And then we talked about how she longed for a recommendation, but she anticipated condemnation. She was hoping to get a compliment, expecting and even courting criticism. She assumed praise to be defective and corrupted and corrupting. So again, she wanted to get that praise and encouragement, but because she was failing so often, it's hard to compliment somebody. You have to almost be very creative in those compliments. Like, wow, you're so creative, but boy, if we can just help you live up to those expectations. Here, this highly intelligent young woman is performing way below her intellectual ability in her classes like geometry and math and Latin. In French. She and her friend Ross were inattentive and talkative and disrupted class constantly. It's not uncommon for people with ADHD to hang out with other people with ADHD. They're much more fun to be around and they understand what they're going through. They were isolated from the rest of the class to help control their behavior. They were either put in front or in a corner. She did get recognition for some straightforward thinking. 
Often that's that logical common sense that many people with ADD may say they have. And she had excellent dramatic quality. Her teacher would say, Margaret, you could write it if you only would work hard. You have the ability, but you are so careless in constructing your sentences. Remember, my dear, that a sentence is the complete expression of a thought in words. It must be cohesive, concise, and coherent. A teacher commented that she was turning in work that revealed her as having authentic genius. Her brother noted that she had not made a social success at school despite her social and economic advantages. She was in an upper-middle-class family. She, like her dad, had a fatalistic predisposition to downplay their success. She felt socially uncomfortable, and especially among the typical seminary girls. Those are the kind of college prep girls. She, however, excelled in the theater. After high school, she went off to college in Massachusetts. She exercised a lot of her charm there. She also possessed a very curious mind. She could almost pick up any theme or topic of conversation. She had traveled a lot for her time and had read more extensively. What a fascinating talker she was, people said about her back then. She also loved psychology and what she called psychologizing. She studied psychoanalytic theory for her delight. She analyzed character very well. She penetrated human motivation with rare ease and intuitive intelligence. In contrast to her interest in scientific areas, chemistry nearly nearly killed her, and math remained her nemesis. Meanwhile, she breezed through the literature courses. This is not uncommon for people who have ADD. You find out what you're good at and what you're not good at, you just stop doing that. You may have wanted to maybe become a doctor someday or a nurse or some engineer, but when you got into the complicated math, you weren't able to focus well enough to get through those classes or those complicated weeder out classes in pre-med with the organic chemistry and chemistry and biology type classes that are much more challenging. Most students remember her for her humor, laughter, and hilarity. She was full of fun and a keen sense of humor. She was a good mixer with old and young alike. She was very bright, quick, and animated, ready to laugh, and not ever with a problem with people. She was always with them. She also had fun planning elaborate practical jokes, and she won a reputation for a lack of seriousness. So that's not an uncommon story that I'll hear with patients where, looking back on their life, that they may have been voted the most funny person in their high school class. Uh, They might have been the most humorous. They much... They had much more interest during lunch hour in the cafeteria, joking around with their friends than going to get help from a teacher on understanding geometry better or understanding their chemistry or getting help writing that paper. They'd 
we're much more on that less serious. Now, that's interesting because sometimes I'll hear a story. I just heard a story from a patient yesterday who said, well, when I was in high school, I had a friend of mine who commented that, boy, you sure are different when you take your ADD medicine. You're not so fun. You're not, you're much more serious. And that was taken to heart and was one of the reasons why she stopped taking her medicine her sophomore year and ended up leading to a lot of problems, as we've talked about on the episode on ADHD. Untreated ADHD can lead to many problems down the road, including what happened with Margaret. In college, she took up smoking. Great. That is uh, not the best way to cope with ADHD. Interestingly, ADHD does have a stimulant effect and probably was partially treating her ADHD. Unfortunately, there are so many other side effects that are obvious with smoking. She also was noted that anything that hurt her or she felt deeply she could not talk about. This is a term in the world of ADHD called alexthenia, A-L-X-T-H-E-N-I-A. And she reports as being a lonely, hurt girl. She felt isolated and alienated from the girls. I never found my level. I was a misfit. She had reported flirting with a nervous breakdown and What is a nervous breakdown? That's actually a lay term, but it is one where somebody is often at a very high level of despair and anxiety and feeling extremely overwhelmed and almost to the point where they have a hard time functioning. When we hear more about her story, she had a chaotic state of mind. And that is very typical for somebody who has ADHD, especially when they get into more cognitively challenging and more academically challenging stages in their life. There's now so many more things that has to be accounted for. You have to keep track of your school. You have to now keep track of your social activities and more responsibilities. Going back to her story depression symptoms had settled in and she developed sleeping terrors. For many people who are struggling academically and now are having, again, that rejection-sensitive dysphoria and negative self-talk and not completing their tasks and having a hard time fitting in when they're falling asleep, all of these things are going through their mind and what you often think about before you sleep are often what you dream about. And she said, I know perfectly well what I need is more education. I am a terrible fool. Hard study and discipline would be extremely beneficial to me. She ended up never finishing her college studies. Many with ADHD are highly intelligent, able to get into colleges, but when the rigors of college set in, they have a hard time doing the more challenging work. They have a hard time self-organizing, and this can lead to 
academic struggles and not completing college, as in Margaret's story. And she also had joked that God had never intended her for housekeeping. She said she had, in truth, no talent or inclination towards domestic management. On the contrary, she rather thrived on mess. Her disorder even established a certain standard among her college friends. The habits persisted back at home. Her room was described as a wreck. Again, Margaret's story is one that probably rings familiar if you have fibromyalgia and have ADHD or if you have a loved one who have struggled with this. Now, many people, when they hit the struggles that Margaret have, are often in a crisis, and they're left with a decision. And one of the decisions is, how am I going to deal with this anxiety? Some will exercise a whole bunch. Margaret took up smoking. That was a poor coping strategy, of course. But, hey, at the time, it gave her some temporary relief. But not what you want to do to help Cope. For many people will just have some internal, external drive and they will force themselves through the anxiety and often the anxiety may drive them to study. They may have to spend four times as much time to learn the same information and often it's just learning the information for that test, for that term, and then try to tutor the class Next semester, to help somebody who's going through it, boy, good luck. I just forget practically everything I learned. I just move on. And some people who have this predilection to be messy, but if they have a very strict parent with high expectations, that anxiety to please them may force them to have tons of anxiety, to work extra careful to clean up and be especially neat. So not everybody's necessarily was a wreck, but often that had to be something to be learned. Many people who have ADHD might be enlisted in the military and and in the infantry type and may have been going in very messy, but now when they have the very rigorous Um, expectations of having a very clean bunk and having their all their goods clean and being very prompt and on time and there's a high level of motivation to please the drill sergeant to please the platoon leader they then learn to put a priority to that and become very clean for many people who struggle with fibromyalgia and ADHD may find that clutter is extremely distracting and causes lots of anxiety. So they need to work hard to keep things organized. In the modern world, there are lots of workarounds you can use to help get organized and run a much more organized life. We have cell phones and calendars and reminders to help remember getting things done that are more of a struggle. Housework often is a struggle for many with ADHD, especially when they're younger, because it's maybe 
boring to them. It's not that interesting. They've solved it. It's not a complicated problem, and they have to maybe be just much more distracted by music or other things to get through the cleaning, for example. Next week, we will learn more about her creativity and her abilities in the theater. We haven't talked about fibromyalgia specifically yet, but we did touch on some of the elements. She started having symptoms of depression and despair and insomnia. As we've talked on prior podcasts, insomnia can often precede chronic pain and fibromyalgia symptoms, and one of the causes of insomnia can be untreated ADHD and anxiety, depression, sleep apnea, and restless leg syndrome. With this understanding I and foundation in her life and also possibly in your life, this will help you understand more about your story. As we get closer, as she gets into her 20s and starts to have fibromyalgia symptoms. I hope you've enjoyed this podcast, whether you are doing some housework yourself and are going for a walk or going for a drive on your way to work, doing laundry, whatever it is. I'm so glad to be part of your journey in discovering more about fibromyalgia, whether you're a patient, whether you're somebody who loves somebody who has fibromyalgia, or you're a doctor or medical provider who wants to learn more about helping those with fibromyalgia. If you enjoyed this, please share this with others to help them learn more and help them grow in their understanding. Education is so important. And also hit the like and subscribe button. Until next week, go Team Fibro.